right, welcome back to Level Up, a video game podcast hosted by me, Kyle, on the Geek Freaks Network. And today uh, we're going to be discussing one of my all-time favorite games, as well as one of my younger brother's all-time favorite video games. Well, please welcome Josh. Hello, Josh. How's it going? Hey, what's up? It's going well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Happy yeah. Happy to be chatting about some good RE4 memories. Absolutely. Yeah, you and I both have played Resident Evil 4 extensively. And, you know, with the remake coming out later this week, I thought it'd be, you know, really good timing to just kind of revisit the classic RE4 and give it its proper due diligence and, you know, kind of discuss why it's one of our all-time favorite video games. Yeah, for sure. I always uh, like to go back to it every so often just because, I mean, it was always just fun to pick up again. Have some good old times with Leon and Luis. Can't go wrong. Yeah, I can't forget Ashley and Ada and all the baddies as well. Krauser, Sadler, Salazar, and Chief Mendez. You know, yeah, they're the all big, amazing bosses. The big cheese. Yes. That's, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, to kick things off uh, for Level Up, this is your first time, I think, ever recording a podcast. So I'll try and walk you through it as best I can. Yes, so, you're the maestro. With Level Up, we uh, quickly review a game based out of 100 points. But I think for RE4, I think no matter what this discussion leads to, we're going to give it a perfect score anyway, because it's just that great of a game. Right, and, yeah, you can't really contend with it. It's uh, it's up there, no doubt. <laughs> so I think for this particular episode of Level Up, instead of doing the scoring system, we're just going to go through each of the segments of the show, which is gameplay, design, and story. And, you know, just go off of each other's favorite moments of the game in each of those particular categories and just see where the conversation takes us. Cool. Now, I liked it. To start the show, the guest always does a one minute kind of like a summary or, you know, and as best of to your capabilities as possible, just kind of break down the game for what it is. So uh, are you up for the challenge? Are you ready? Oh, shall. I mean, I didn't play it, what, <laughs> five times for nothing? Indeed. Yeah, same here. I think I've missed the play at least half a dozen times. Before we actually uh, get into the summarization part, how many times have you played on and on which consoles? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Uh, first time, of course, with GameCube. Absolutely. That was the very yep. first. Same here. And I think the second time was on Wii, which sucked. The Wii I edition? Mean, yeah, the Wii, I think there was a Wii edition. I'm pretty sure. It was one. There is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did play it on that one for the second time. You know, that's um, interesting because, you know, RE4 has been ported so many times, right? And I, at least between you and I, I think we played it on at least three different machines. So we got GameCube, the Wii edition, and most recently on PC, on Steam. Yep, for sure. And I mean, the Wii one was memorable just because of the controls, of course. And but the port, I mean, eh, it was okay. And then playing on Steam again, it was the remaster, which, you know, it was just the best of both worlds, really. Indeed. Yeah. I don't know if you played with uh, the HD project uh, textures. Did you do that? I did. On PC? Yep. You did. Okay, great. Yeah, I did so as well. I replayed it just the other week with that. A huge mod and it really added a lot to the game because you can actually see details within the environment as well as on the ammo boxes as well yeah which is really cool can, 
you could pick up on the smaller stuff. It was neat. And, you know, to uh, just touch on the Wii real quick, as much as I liked the motion controls for that game, it was really fun. I do agree with you. It looked like dog shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, unfortunately, that's how it goes. Can't have one without the other. But at least uh, at least it was fun times. Indeed. Yeah. I, I mean, Resident Evil 4 is just one of those games. We'll get into this later on. But, you know, it's always so easy to pick up and play. And we'll deep dive into that in the coming segments. But uh, let's go back to summarize in the game. Let's uh, get that timer ready. And I'll kind of count you in, okay? Sounds like a plan. All right, here we go. Three. Remember, you got a minute. So do your best. <laughs> a minute time. All righty. Here we All go. Right. Three, two, one, go. Alrighty, Resident Evil 4. So, the game starts with Leon, six years after Raccoon City, after RE2 and that awesome fest of zombies, uh, in Spain. He is basically trying to track down Ashley Graham, who is the president's daughter, kidnapped by some strange cult, ransoming her off for some reason or another. And he's basically just being escorted to this village in rural Spain by these two officers and uh, told to wait while they go check things out. Um, And yes, stuff starts getting pretty crazy. So essentially he, (laughs) along the way, uh, our two officer bros end up dead by the villagers and he has to find out where Ashley is. Yeah, and it it gets intense. But along the way, he meets Luis, he meets the merchant, he makes friends, he meets Ada again. And um, that's time. No, that's oh, good. Oh, really? That's good. Is yeah. That... Oh, wow. Man, it goes by <laughs> quick, huh? It does. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good lead in to discussing the story. So let's do that as our first segment. Ah, so okay. you were going into the village and as Leon Kennedy, again, the six years after Raccoon City in RE2. And this is a different version of Leon. He's been through some stuff because he's gone through special forces training in preparation for all sorts of biohazards around the whole globe. Yeah, he's and, up. Yeah, he's definitely, you know, as we see in gameplay later on, he's definitely capable of saving the president's daughter. And I always think back to that Disney movie back in the day. My date with the president's daughter. Oh, God. <laughs> on uh, yeah. the original Disney Channel back in the day. Oh. And yeah, Ashley tries to make that happen, but Leon... Yeah, you know, at the he's... end there, but uh, Leon's got his eyes on Ada, rightfully so, in my opinion. Yep, yep with his boy, <laughs> his boy band hair going on. But I think what makes this story so good is that it doesn't take itself at all seriously. And that helps lead to the player just kind of having fun with the game. And you see that throughout the excellently directed cutscenes. Like, you know, the cutscenes are so well shot, uh-huh. like cinematically, it really pulls you into the game's story. And even though there's like a bunch of quips and one-liners before that became a meme in gaming, like what we've seen in dozens of open world games or whatever else <laughs> is out there nowadays. Like there's so many. Oh, yeah opportunities for writers to flex their quip ability (laughs) no doubt they try and flex on us for that but with leon like it feels natural for some reason like you don't think it's cheesy when he does it like you just buy into it and i think that's one of the main 
parts about the story that really, as a player, you appreciate about the game because it it's just a fun romp. It's not something that's diehard serious or anything like that. What do you think? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a kind of a way to just ease the player into it, you know, make it feel more of a, not such a, die, yeah, like you said, a diehard horror, survival horror type action, even though it has those moments, moments of dread, even if it's your first time playing it. Uh, those those one-liners and uh, the interactions between like him and Luis, uh, it really breaks it up, makes it for a nice, diverse gameplay. So yeah, the- I always, and that's always something that I remember from it. The characterization is just really good because you have Leon as, you know, the the no holds barred, let's get this done type of character. But he still has a personality to him, especially when he interacts with Salazar in the castle segment of the game, like how he and him have like this banter going on, like almost like they're taunting each other. And it's so <laughs> great to see because they play off of each other so well. And as well as with Luis, like he has that kind of, bravado about him like he doesn't really take the situation too seriously but as we learn throughout later in the game through the notes like he feels personally responsible for the Las Plagas outbreak which is what's yes. infested all of the villagers in the game uh-huh. yeah and no then, it's, uh, it's a great contrast both all they all compliment each other the characters even Ashley even though she's kind of annoying <laughs> but <laughs> well she serves her role pretty well I think you know that's the the princess in another castle type of thing. She does. I'm just remembering the parts where, you know, you have to like watch out for her, like escort mission kind of stuff. That's, that's always what I remember. <laughs> well, you know, that's always like the leading plot device, right? You got to go save her. She gets captured again. You got to save her again. And it just yeah. goes on and on and on until the yep. very end. And, you know, over time we do see that she is quite capable herself. Like you actually play as her later in the game as you're trying to get a puzzle solved for Leon or a key or something. That's actually, yeah, that's one part of the remake I'm looking forward to. I want to see how they do that specific part. Um, so that's going to be really interesting. Indeed. Yeah. I think with the remake, I think they'll do a lot of these characters, you know, still the same based off of my recent playthrough of the chainsaw demo that came out last week for the oh. remake, which, you know, you haven't played yet. Which I nope. applaud you for, because you're going in completely blind and fresh. I I think that's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I haven't looked at... I mean, I saw some of the images, of course, one of the first teasers. Um, but in terms of gameplay, I have not viewed a single speck of any video. That's amazing. Yeah, it's hard to do, especially for a game you're excited for. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't normally pre-order games either. I don't feel the need to, but for this one, oh, yeah, like... I know they're going to just knock it out of the park, and that's it's worth the money to pre-order to in my book. And from what we've seen, I, I don't know how much you know, but I think you did see the trailer where Luis is more present in the game now. Like, he has more of a role. Because um, halfway through this, you know, he actually dies pretty early in the game. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, you know, yeah. He, he di- I think it's okay to discuss spoilers, because everyone who's wanted to play this game has already done so. But, you know, we see Luis in the castle segment, he, you know, has to recover the Las Plagas vaccine to cure Leon and Ashley. Cause at the beginning of the game, they get infected with Las Plagas. And, you know, he finally catches up to Leon and says, Hey, I got to eat. And he gets <laughs> impaled by Sadler. And I was like, Oh man, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He uh, bit the bullet pretty quick. 
But he did. I, I did hear that that he was going to be more well play more of a role in this game as I think you know Ashley does and some of the other side characters, maybe even Krauser. I think absolutely, so, yeah, yeah. That's that's going to be more interesting. I want to see how they expand more on not just the areas but on the side characters. Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, even the villains. Like, I can't wait to re-encounter Chief Mendez. Mendez. Like, part of me wants him to kind of be like a Mr. X type of enemy from the RE2 remake, where he chases you all over Raccoon City Police Station. <laughs> like, could you imagine him joining random fights in the village? That'd be insane. That'd be sick. Or if they had, <laughs> yeah, if they had a chase segment through, like, the forest to the woods. Oh, that'd yeah. That'd be awesome. Anything just, you know, fleshing out his involvement in the story because Chief Mendes, as the first real boss you kill, you know, he doesn't really have that big of a role to play. And I, you know, that's another aspect of the remake I'm hoping to see more of. But, uh, yeah, for I, sure. You know, going back to the classic RE4, you know, I think the villains are done extremely well. Like each of the boss encounters are really well varied. Like with Salazar, you know, his unique transformation and with Mendez at the, end of the village segment, how he transforms in his boss fight. Like, it's really cool to see how these Las Plagas, like, evolve over time. Yeah, no, it's different for each host. Um, and that's, you know, it's a good way to show show off kind of the, the science behind it, so to speak, the biological uh, evolution of Las Plagas. Oh, I just, I always remember the common enemies, though. I The villagers, they're... Rupa, <laughs> they always have the best lines, and when you're getting surrounded by the mob, whether it's in the village or in the castle, or regenerators in the lab, I mean, the, yeah, the, it's so great. Can't beat them. Yeah, one you thing can, I want to but... touch on, I mean, exactly, yeah, like, the pacing of the game, especially with the story beats, is so extremely well done. Like, it's amazing how, you know, you're whether it's your first playthrough or your fifth or sixth playthrough, the game just has this ability to like pull you in and you just can't put the controller down until you're forced to, for some reason. Like, I know that's true for you. Yeah, no, the replayability uh, is extremely high for this one. Um, obviously people are, you know, varied on other Resident Evils, but Ferrari for the classic one, uh, at least when I start playing it, you really do get into, whether it's uh, finding all the gems <laughs> to oh, sell yeah, off to the, the treasures, merchant. yeah, the treasures, you know, because that's where that was the first game that really implemented that. Um, and then you know, expanding your suitcase so you can fit more guns and herbs, and you're getting your item management up to you know up to par. I mean, that kind of uh, those kind of details really make it hard to put down the controller because it's just you know people enjoy that. They, I mean, some most do, some that don't obviously don't go back to it. But for me, that was one of the biggest features of the game. So, you know, going into that, let's move on to the gameplay, the meatiest part of Resident Evil 4. Because to me, you know, the, you know, coming off of the original Resident Evil trilogy, where it was a fixed camera angle, you now have a character in Leon, you know, who's evolved over time. And the game itself, the franchise evolved because it went to a third person action perspective. Right. And to me, like Resident Evil embodies like its own namesake like with biohazard like how biohazard. it constantly mutates and evolves into new types of gameplay like how we've seen with Resident Evil 7 and 8 how it shifted the first person view like Resident Evil 4 is 
really one of the outliers in gaming in general, like if how influential it's been over the last two decades of gaming almost. What do you think? Yeah, no, for sure. You can almost say it and, you know, it gives some inspiration to Dead Space because that over-the-shoulder third-person camera view, I mean, that for survival war games, you know, it's kind of unheard of at that time. It's like, oh, well, first person, that's where it should be. But no, having that camera over Leon and just uh, seeing what's coming your way and checking in the environment and everything and the sounds, I mean, it just added a lot more to it. Um, and yeah, it changed a lot from the previous Resident Evils because it took out the ink ribbons. Yeah, added quick time events, which obviously there's some divided opinion on those. Of course. But yeah. ultimately, it really added something fresh to uh, the genre and um, obviously stood the test of time because here we are almost 20 years later and we're getting a remake. Even then, like even replaying the classic 2005 game, it still is an incredibly fun game that's really easy to get into. I know a lot of people still have some problems with tank controls. And of course, that's, you know, very common. Like a lot of people aren't used to that type of gameplay. But for some reason, it works in Resident Evil 4. Like it's amazing how that carried over so easily, like seamlessly. Yeah, it made it more fluid, the gameplay and the combat. It, I mean, I'll admit, I was, it was awkward for me at first. I still remember getting frustrated with it when I first picked up the controller. But you, it grows on you, and uh, it definitely made it more fun in my book. Um, yeah, in I think tank controls really was like one of the only main stays of classic RE gameplay, aside from what you mentioned, the ink ribbons and saving. But, you know, that's not really present in Resident Evil 4. You can save whenever you want to without the need of an ink ribbon. But really, it's those tank controls that are pretty much what identify it as a Resident Evil game. And as you move forward and start to really get into the gunplay, like how much variety there is with, say, like the pistol and the shotgun and the rifle and upgrading those and giving them new abilities. Like, it's really cool how tactical you become. Like, you almost embody Leon in a sense with how proficient you become with each of these weapons. Becoming that U.S. secret agent. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a good system, and um, it's not too, uh, how should I say, intimidating, because obviously for some players who don't want to get too far into that, they maybe not go for it, but in Resident Evil 4, it's actually pretty easy to stack up on gold coin and able to purchase upgrades for both your attach case and for your weapons, and obviously that adds, you know, more dynamic fighting, so uh, I enjoyed it a lot, and um, I think it was a good, good system they had in place, and uh, I'm looking forward to how they do it in the new remake. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly you can transition from, say, like a mob fight, like at the beginning of the village segment, when you're having to, you know, hold out as long as you can with a limited inventory. And then as you proceed through the game and get more player power, or in this case, upgrades for your weapons, you just become an unstoppable killing machine. And it's such a great path of progression as you're playing the game because you just feel like you know you are you know essentially Leon like it's crazy to think about this <laughs> but I think the reason why it works so well is because as you're doing the melee combat as well and you're tactically shooting say the kneecap 
to bring an enemy down so he can do a melee move that kind of acts like a crowd control when he does the roundhouse kick. Oh, right. I remember now. Yep. Or, you know, say like with different enemy types, like for example, you brought up how the villagers change over time with the Las Plagas. And when their heads get blown off, the Plagas symbiote comes out. And one of the quickest ways to get rid of them is to use a flashbang and it instantly kills them because they're, you know, susceptible to light. Like that's the weakness. And you really start to get like a flow going as you go in and outside of your inventory to kind of pull out the best weapon for each best case scenario. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah. Developing tactics over time as Leon does. And uh, yeah, it kind of throughout the game, um, obviously you encounter very different enemies. You have the, uh, I believe they're called the Reapers, the little insect. What are they called? Uh, the insect toys? I think or? they're called the Novistadors, right? Novist- oh, that's right. That's right. Novistadors. Novistadors. Yeah. The invisible bugs in yes. the castle segment. Mm-hmm. I remember those. Yeah. Those were first, man. I, uh, the I first was playthrough tripping. was rough with those guys. Yeah. 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 yeah indeed, all, of course I remember. They, <laughs> yeah. They go, well, the invisibility they have, but then you find um, their eyes and. Yeah, that was such a great moment. Yeah, because with invisibility, it's hard to find them, but there's like a little shimmer effect. And then their eyes kind of light up too, like green, yellow, blue. Mm -hmm. And that's how you find them. And you can really clear them out pretty effectively with a shotgun. That's That was my go-to method. Oh, yeah, shotgun, or I just spray with the TMP. (laughs) Okay, real quick, what's your favorite weapon in Resident Evil 4? Oh. Um, I would have to go with the TMP. Really, the TMP? Okay. Yeah, machine pistol was one of my favorites. It was really reliable, wasn't it? Like with how it would st- kind of stunlock enemies, and exactly. it would give you great feedback. Like you know, because as you're shooting an enemy over and over, they kind of redo this, uh, <laughs> you know, that kind of motion when they freeze up <laughs> as you're shooting them. Yeah, they're doing like <laughs> some sort of like who knows, some sort of little dance. It almost looks like but exactly. Yeah, that was precisely why I chose it because of that stunlock. Because if I got surrounded. I could just kind of do that for a couple enemies and then just sprint past them. Or at least, or I think even like you said, shoot them in the knee and do the kick, the roundhouse kick to clear, get some clearance. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For me, for example, like I always relied excessively on the shotgun because it was a really good way of crowd controlling a mob of like five or six villagers. Because, you know, the spread of the shotgun, it would easily like kind of push them back. And it would allow you to, like, say, quickly whip out your pistol and do the kneecap or the headshot to do the melee. And you, you see how it kind of branches off from there. Like, the gameplay, it's based off of how proficient you are and how well you know your weapons that you're using. Yeah, and sometimes that doesn't work out in your favor because, as you mentioned, you know, with the shotgun, like in other Resident Evil, if you get up close and aim up, you can blow off their heads. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. then the lost, you risk the Lost Plagas bursting out. And then taking a swipe of your health. So, and that too is like such a great reason why it's a like Resident Evil 4 is such an amazing game because it takes that into account, you know, based off of the previous trilogy. You know, players will want to do that, they'll want to do the headshot. And of course, they surprise you later on with those enemies popping out. And it's just, it's such great design, like from a gameplay perspective. And, you know, Going further and further into the game, like with the Garadors, you know, the guys who can't see or can't speak or whatever. 
<laughs> oh yes, that's right. You, the have, to use, the you have to use sound claw. to distract them, so you can shoot them in the back at the yes. Las Plagas symbiote that's popped out there. And God, I, yeah. those ones. Uh, at least with the part <laughs> where there's two of them at the same time mm-hmm. in the castle. Yeah, that room was fun. And you know, the castle segment in particular, I think, was, in my opinion, the best segment of gameplay. Oh yeah, for sure. Throughout the entire game, like the village section was amazing as an introduction but the castle kind of like enhances the experience because of the different variety in enemies i just always remember yeah the enemies the cultists uh those were some of the most memorable enemies i've ever faced in a survival horror game and then you add in the environment the atmosphere of the castle salazar's castle and into those certain rooms like you enter that one main atrium room where the upside down statue and you've got the pale blue fires, the braziers lit. It just really adds a dynamic and, you know, medieval horror sort of element to it. Yeah, you kind of get like a sense of like slowly going through periods of time, like with the village, really basic, like kind of like, you know, in a sense of human progression. And then you get to the castle, it's like medieval. And then you get to the island section, it's like modern day. and you know, that's another great reason why I think the pacing of the game works so well is because it took you to all these different locations, boom, 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 with, you know, different enemy variety and different paths of how to clear out those enemies with each of the weapon types and, you know, overall, like just incredible pacing. Yeah, well, if you, uh, anyone who's played any other Resident Evils, they kind of see that level design um, in all Resident Evils. You have the initial kind of, uh, local landscape, right? So in Resident Evil 4, it's the village. In Resident Evil 5, it's that Magini town. But then yeah. you get to um, either like a more historical location. So it's the castle or like, again, Resident Evil 5, it's the indigenous village or the underground temple. And then you get to like this laboratory, this ultra modern laboratory where exactly. you find out, ooh, okay, this is where they're doing all their experiments. This is where the virus or the Plagas is being developed. And it really brings the story in full circle. And uh, for me, myself, I've always enjoyed that element. I've always enjoyed finding the logs and reading them, reading more into the world of Resident Evil. That's always been a big part of why I enjoy the series. Yeah, it is really fleshed out. I agree. Like with the files, like how it goes, you know, it delves into the lore of the series of the franchise as a whole. And everything kind of neatly ties in together with the main games anyway. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, go into the spinoffs <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're sticking with the main games, not uh, any exactly. raccoon outbreaks or anything. Right. <laughs> Indeed. I mean, the some ten... of them are pretty fun, but yeah, a lot of them yeah. are hit or miss, mostly miss. <laughs> I think the only two that I can actually stomach are the Revelation games, Revelations and Revelations mm. 2. You know, I but... always really enjoyed uh, Resident Evil, uh, the Outbreaks 1 and 2. Outbreak 5, yeah, those are good. Yeah, the online ones. I thought that was such a neat premise. For back then, like, you know, an online Resident Evil game, how would that work? And they, I think they pulled it off really well. I would say it's better than the current multiplayer Resident Evil games you get. Like Reverse and... Yeah, oh yeah, gosh. that's true. Reverse are... is a bit of a mess. And then I think there's another one too, isn't there? Yeah, there's with, one uh, more. It, it Resident Evil 3. Resident Evil 3. I Remake. forgot the name of it. Um, yeah, that one was interesting. <laughs> to say the least but yes Indeed. back back to yeah, another topic for another time for sure 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, is there anything you wanted to touch on with like gameplay, like maybe movement or maybe the UI, for example? Like, why was it such a groundbreaking game for the time? Oh boy! Well, we talked about the camera, of course, um, but I would say, oh boy! Well, Theon's movement because he can do the what was it? The spin around. You could spin him oh, around the quick real turn. quick. The quick, the quick turn, turn. Yeah. yeah. That that was good. That was revolutionary, at least in my my book. Because uh, other games, you had to manually move the character yeah. around. Indeed. <laughs> Apart from that, though, yeah, the attach case, uh, the item man- management, oh, the inventory oh. system. Yeah, let's go into that. Because, you know, for me, I, I loved managing my inventory and trying to, you know, OCD everything, like in the attache case. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, that was, I mean, I'm not normally OCD like that with certain stuff, but in that game, I felt like I had to, because we're talking about be, <laughs> being Leon. If you were going to, if you're going to be Leon trying to rescue the president's daughter, well, yeah, you got to keep your case intact and make sure you got to keep it nice and organized. clean and organized. Yeah. You're a U.S. federal agent. Like, dude, come on now, get it together. So I would always have the weapons, like the largest weapon on top, scaled down to the pistol and I would have the ammo right next to it. And then I have the items or the health items in one area, the ammo in another. So yeah, it was it was all that super organized OCD mess. Yeah, for me, for example, when I recently replayed it, like I always kept my pistol in the top left because I don't know if you knew this, but whenever you open up your inventory, it always defaults to that top left position for your cursor. So for me, that was always a quick way to switch back to my pistol after using a shotgun, for example. Yeah, I did know of that. Yeah. Yeah, again, it's like, you know, over time you get a feel for how the game plays. And, you know, with the attache case, like managing your inventory was crucial to fitting everything. And, you know, over time you do get upgrades that make it bigger. Uh So you can fit more guns or more healing items. And over time, like, I think I spent more time in that menu (laughs) than actually, like, you know, in a particular level. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I can't. I I just remember the uh, the little like where the the dock where the merchant was, and you know you have you have the the safe room music playing, and I just remember spending at least thirty minutes like talking to the merchant, getting my stuff together, and then putting my my inventory straight, and uh, <laughs> just a nice break from all the action. Yeah, exactly. Like a lot of instances, like there'll be many moments where you're interacting with the merchant. And to me, he was such an incredible character in the game, like how he would always be so jovial and happy to see you. And, you know, what are you buying? And what are you selling? <laughs> ah, I'll buy it at a high price. Indeed. Yeah. Like, you know, those little moments, like you just grew so accustomed to hearing, you know, his support for you when he sells you an upgrade. And he's just like, you know, so happy to, be your merchant (laughs) well i think the mystery around that character is what really sold him because it you you never even know his name he's just the merchant and you don't know his background you don't know where he comes from and that really just obviously you know he's lived on in in the hearts and minds of all the fans ever since and you know it's cool how in re8 they made that little reference to him when you're talking to the duke Indeed, yeah. So you got to thank Capcom for putting in little quips like that for the fans. But I have uh, to say, though, I do enjoy the Duke as the vendor, the merchant, so to speak, in RE8. I thought he was a great character. Oh, no, yeah, he was cool. I I enjoyed him. I loved uh, him cooking me up those delicious meals. <laughs> Indeed. 
Yeah, you know, I I'm hoping the remake doesn't solve the you know lift the veil so to speak of the merchant. I hope they keep him still the same, like as a mysterious presence. That's like a you know an unspoken benefactor, like the many other people in the world who donate to charities and stuff, like as anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> he's a philanthropist on the side, but he sells there guns go. There when go. Uh, when Leon needs. <laughs> that's what he does with all your pesetas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that's the currency. That's right. Oh, man. Uh, all right. Uh, real quick. Um, I just want to ask you, like, what was your favorite encounter in the game? Like, be it boss or enemies, regular enemies? Like, what was the most standout one to you? So, and why? in terms of, I, I guess, a regular enemy, it would have to be the Regenerator. Oh, really? Just because, mm-hmm. yeah, it was either the Regenerator or the, I think it's the Chimera. In the uh, caves, that's the right name for that one. You know, the, I think that's called it or U three or something. U three, but yeah, the regenerators. Right. Yeah, yeah, the regenerators just always stood out to me because that was actually the one part of the game that kind of freaked me out. Um, Absolutely, because you just when you go into the lab area, which is where they are, and the regenerators, you can only you know, as people know, you can only kill them with a thermal night vision scope on the rifle on the sniper rifle. If you don't have that attachment, you're screwed. Um, but you just hear, you go into this room where, you know, one of the regenerators is on the autopsy table. You then had to leave. Um, but then I believe when you come back and you try to, you have to finish an objective in that room, you hear this crash. And then you see him walking around the corner. And that was freaky as hell. And you see the spikes coming out of him. And man, I just always remember that from my first playthrough. It got to me. But... That was that would be it for the common enemy. For for a boss enemy, it has to be Salazar's right hand. Vertigo. Yeah. That's kind of it's yep. Always. <laughs> that was freaky too, actually. Those were the two two enemies that actually kind of freaked me out. But everything else was just, you know, pretty standard action. Yeah, I wanna use that as a yeah. transitioning point to the next segment, which is presentation. And this includes like audio, visual you know, all that stuff, level design. So going back to Regenerator, like the reason why that was such a creepy enemy, you know, aside from that creepy laugh it does or whatever, or the breathing. Oh yeah, yeah, the breathing, that's it it too. It's the droning music, like that that incoming sense of dread that, you know, you know it's coming towards you. And, you know, for me, as much as that enemy was great, like I think having to use a thermal scope to kill it kind of, takes away from the horror a little bit because you're seeing it in thermal rather than what it actually is. So I'm my hope for the remake is that they kind of move away from that. Hopefully they don't rely on thermal to kill it. No, so I, you can I, see it in all its glory coming at you slowly. Definitely. I agree with that. Cause when, when, once you do learn how to kill it and you, you know, you just pop on the thermal scope and quickly like three shot it. Uh, Cause you had to hit three shots of the parasite on its body. It it loses any sort of dread or fear or respect even of that you have for the enemy. And it's like, oh, this that's this, a good this, way to put it. You know, lumbering <laughs> piece of flesh coming towards me. Let me just quick scope it three times. And Leon's a badass. Ooh, you know. I but, will tell you though, you know, with my recent playthrough, like I did miss a couple shots, and I'm like inside panicking. I'm like, oh my god, it's coming at me, and I missed. It's that quiet panic, right? That sets in. I, I, that's one of the main strengths of the enemy design there. And with Vertigo, I thought, 
you know, how awesome is this thing? Like it's cloaked. So it doesn't badass. say anything. It just comes barreling at you yep. as you're running towards the uh, switches for that segment of the game. You're like in a hallway and you have to turn on these switches for the elevator to start. And you and have to wait for the elevator to come down so you can get on it to escape the enemy. Yep. And it's actually, it's a, an optional like death for the boss for Vertigo. Because if you can't kill him, you can just get in the elevator and head back up. And I think you can just leave the area. Um, but if you do kill him, you get obviously a big reward. Get a lot of money. Yep. <laughs> this is always my strategy when I replay Resident Evil 4. So in the castle, there's a segment where there's like a bridge you raise and all these uh, village or cultists are running at you. And in that room is a rocket launcher. I always oh, save that yeah. rocket launcher specifically for Vertigo. And it's such a great way to defeat that boss because the first time you freeze him by knocking over a liquid nitrogen tank, you just shoot uh-huh. the rocket and it instantly explodes and particles of ice. Yeah, just obliterated. Yep. It's so awesome. Like, you know, it kind of cheapens the fight, of course, but my first time going through it, I had no idea that was a thing. So I, you know, was freaking out all the time <laughs> when it was out about chasing me. And it runs at you fast. It does. You got to be quick on your feet. I, yeah, no, the first couple playthroughs I did, I did not know of that rocket trick. So I was just wasting <laughs> so much energy, so much ammo on them. And I used up all the liquid nitrogen tanks and I was like, oh, screw this. And I just got out of the elevator. But then... That does happen. Yeah, because yep. there is you know, points in the game where you just don't have enough ammunition and your resource management wasn't up to par. So, you know, for yes. that vertigo fight in particular, yeah, you're like dreading every second that elevator takes to get down to you. <laughs> yeah. With that being said, what difficulty do you always go for? I always choose to play on. Um, well, for most of my recent playthroughs, I think I did normal. I don't think I've ever beaten the game on professional, which I need to change. Oh, no? Oh, yeah, you, you got to beat on professional. Have you done that multiple times? I've only been on professional once, and that was actually my most recent playthrough on Steam, on the PC port. The Wii one, the GameCube one, they were all on normal, because I just could not, <laughs> I could not get it together. But um, professional on PC is definitely doable. So for those listening, highly, highly recommend you go for that route. Yeah, I think what deterred me was you have to play through the normal difficulty first to unlock professional. And to me, it's like, well, I've already gone through it. I don't want to go through it again so recently. Like, I don't like to replay games immediately. No. Even though Resident Evil 4 is one of the most replayable games of all time. I like to, you know, change my palette with something else before going back to it. Oh, no, that's a fair point. I, I give it a year in between playthroughs, and that's only because it's actually a quick game. It's pretty short. I mean, you can, if you speed run it, I think you can beat it within, oh gosh, I don't know, 15 hours, maybe not even that. Uh, um, maybe faster than that. Maybe like eight to 10. Eight to 10. Yeah. yeah that sounds right. From, you know, past speed running events that I've seen, I think it's kind of in that six to eight hour, maybe even shorter, like maybe four hour. Uh, well, if you're a hardcore speed runner, for sure. Right, but, um, right. Yeah. Even on professional, like for those who are, you know, just a standard, you know, everyday player, 15 to 20 is obviously your standard playthrough, which is, you know, easily doable again on professional. Let's circle back to, uh, you know, more presentation elements. So, you know, we kind of discussed audio a little bit. I think the music and sound effects of the game are absolutely incredible. 
How about you? Oh, for sure. Uh, I was, I mentioned the save room theme, the safe room, oh, I should say. Exactly. Yep. That's like, I, I go to university. So whenever I'm having to study, I sometimes put on RE <laughs> ambient music and the save rooms are always the best. And RE4 is, is up there. Like it's, it is a good theme. Absolutely. It's just, it has, and they always blend that right mix of just, oh, okay, relief. I'm in a safe area while blending in attention of, oh, I got to leave though. And I got to go back out. And face inevitably, you have to face the horror again. Yep, yep. And they're they're excellent at that at the soundtrack. You know, one of the sound design elements I really enjoy are reloading sounds, and this game just has such great feedback for, say, like when you're reloading the pistol. Like Leon will actually do the animation with the clip being inserted, and you hear that slide in, and it's like, oh man, I, yeah. I am ready to go. It's That's, just it's so good. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a snap, isn't it? It just kind of yeah. the clip, the magazine snaps back in, yeah, and it's it is satisfying. Like I don't know if you ever noticed, like with the I can't remember the name of it now, the Killer Eagle or Killer Seven, maybe Killer. Yeah, you're thinking of the Magnum, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like that absurdly long clip, and he just <laughs> slides it in. And you hear the whole thing dragged out with the reload animation and the sound effect. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. let's go. It's, it's like badass. <laughs> and with the shotgun, like every time I shoot the standard shotgun in RE4, it just feels so powerful. And you know, it's like all reliable. You always know you can depend on it. It's such a great weapon to use. Yeah, I have to say, I think the sound effects for the weapons are better than some of the more more recent, you know, releases. So RE7s, mm-hmm. I I, did, I wasn't too impressed with the sound design for the weapons in that game. Oh, really? Hmm. Just the pistol to me sounded kind of weak. And um, I think one of the, uh, was it one of the shotguns, I think, too? But I think RE8 had some good sound design for its weapons. But it did, I think yeah. RE4, RE4s was uh, definitely... You know, it's, it was very satisfying to snap off a Ganado's head with a shotgun or take take out the regenerator, the little parasite with the scoped rifle. <laughs> I mean, going around again to, you know, how you were saying the enemy's call-outs were memorable, like, Umpalasteno or, you know, Moriris Vivir. Moriris Vivir. Hearing them coming towards you and saying stuff around you, like, it really does a great job at creating tension like cuz you know they're slowly creeping up on you as you're you know switching weapons or whatever trying to shoot a cultist off of Ashley or something uh uh-huh. and you know that impending sense of they're coming to get you like it does such a great job of creating that tension and building upon it and oh, with yes. the gun sound effects you just feel like you conquer everything it's so amazing oh yeah i always remember in the castle how like if i was uh going around a corner and you can hear the cultists and like, go ahead, go ahead. And then you hear the sound of their (laughs) ball on a chain shaking. You can just kind of hear it rumbling a little bit and you know, they're coming and you had to get ready. It was uh, such a great feeling. You know, I, I, I do applaud Capcom for going in the direction that they did with Resident Evil 4. Like, I think one of the scariest things a person can go through is being dropped in an unknown environment or like a different culture where you don't know the language and you're kind of like susceptible to whatever they're talking about about you. You know, you know, if you're like in a really bad environment or something like 
I'm sure there's places in the world like that where it's scary to go through that kind of, you know, ordeal. But, you know, for them to actually implement that into a game, I think that just enhanced its horror even more. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it, again, adds a new element to it. Because, of course, Saddler and Salazar, they speak English, but the villagers and the cultists, they don't. They speak that Castellan Spanish. Yeah. And uh, it really, it definitely makes you feel like you're outside of your comfort zone, or at least for Leon anyway, and for you playing as him. Uh, that was, that was, yeah, it was interesting to fight against those enemies and try to learn, try to find out what they're saying about you. Cause later well, on you can, you know, of course watch like a videos with subtitles on and <laughs> then it's you not find the same out. though. It isn't. No, it isn't. Cause you know, when the game first came out and I played it on the GameCube and I was taking high school Spanish, like I still didn't know what these guys were saying. And it was really freaky at the time to kind of hear this language being spoken in such a you know disturbing way like like with you know killing intent kill i don't know if that's the right word or phrase <laughs> uh well it's a, that aggressive tone too like the voice actors for those villagers they were excellent because they were like the scene where it turns to night and it's raining uh after leon's infected you know he wakes up in that cabin and it's nighttime and it's raining and when you encounter more villagers, well, that's when they've turned really aggressive and their eyes are red yep, and you yep. hear them and, <laughs> and it's, oh man, it's, that's such a cool aesthetic to it. And it definitely adds to, at least for a first playthrough, it adds to that terror. Indeed. Yeah. I, I think the voice acting in general was really well done. Like, you know, the Ganados were like this terrifying menace that, you know, always felt like they were just around the corner behind your shoulder chasing you down and you know the voice acting for each of the characters i think it really helped convey their roles in the story like leon's voice perfect i you know i, I there's no way he'll ever be topped in my opinion even with re2 remakes voice actor for leon yeah re2 i mean it it definitely suited the character because that's a rookie leon you know he, right. he just had he that voice just yeah it was like a young cop like a young rookie cop voice and that was perfect but in re4 and the classic you've got a grizzled kind of you know just professional u.s agent leon but he still has that jokey side to him and it was just a perfect blend both you know both kind of personalities there i mean even replaying the game recently and hearing ashley again like she wasn't really that annoying as people made her out to be way back when I know that's true for you, but for me anyway, it felt like she wasn't really that bad to deal with. Uh, maybe only in one part of the game. And again, it was back to the castle in that water room and you're having to shoot the cultist off her as she cranks levers for you. Leon! <laughs> you know, just hearing that over and over and over again, that was the, really the one annoying part. Um, there is another part that's similar, like in the island when you have to rescue her from her prison cell and she's always banging on the door going, Leon, like over and over and over as you're trying to scrounge the room up for supplies or whatever. Like that was uh, the one part that got annoying for me. Oh, yeah. I, yep. I remember <laughs> that part too. Yeah. <laughs> but overall, I think just it's the whole package, right? Resident Evil 4 is just an incredible story. It just the best pacing in a video game that set the bar for future games in its genre, like with Dead Space or even with the Sony 
cinematic games we've gotten over the past 10 years since Last of Us, like with God of War Ragnarok and Horizon and Uncharted, like they all took that same over the shoulder perspective that's, you know, paced in a similar manner. Like this is such an influential game and it really just pushed the boundaries of anything that's come before it. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, I know a lot of people, you know, don't think re- everything's a remake nowadays or, you know, there's nothing new anymore, nothing original, but RE4 is definitely a game worthy of a remake because uh, it was so influential and it, it obviously, as you said just now, it inspired so much later on, even though if it's not explicitly said, it's pretty obvious because of when it came out and, uh, you know, the fandom that it created. And really, it was the game that jump-started Resident Evil onto the next generation for myself. Because I played the first remake on the GameCube in 2002, and then I played Zero, which was crap. <laughs> but then when I played RE4, I was like, yeah, this is my kind of franchise. I love this. So it's it's definitely one of the all-time greats. Yeah, not even for games in general, but for the franchise. It, it literally just pulled it up and said, this is it. This is the next wave of gaming. And, you know, even this far out in 2023, I think 18 years since it first came out, which is hard to believe now, like it still holds a special place in my heart anyway, you know, not just because you and I have a shared interest and passion for it, but just for what it did for gaming as a whole, like how it, you know, held it up even higher as a pillar of gaming. Like, I think it's one of those games that's truly timeless. I mean, of course, when you go back and play it now, yeah, there's some things about it that are not going to hold up as well due to time and technological advances. But it's still, in essence, like, just playing the game itself, like, the thrill of it. Like, it's still, it can't be matched. Yeah, easily. Yeah, you can easily, you know, on Steam or whatever console you choose, you can pop it in, install it, and play it again, and you can just jump right back into it. And that's the mark of a truly great game is when you can just play it no matter how long ago it came out and still get enjoyment out of it. There you go. I mean, you can't save that about many games recently, but uh, I think nowadays, though, people are starting to realize, like, you know, that's the formula, right? That's how you make a great game. Is how, that's how you make it memorable. It's by changing and it up. Exactly. Yeah. Like with the remake now, slowly soon upon us, like it, I don't know if you've seen it, but just, you know, game journalists everywhere are giving it another perfect score. 10 out of 10, five out of five. Like it's happening again. And with the remake in particular, like it had a very high bar to meet. And, you know, with the recent Resident Evil 3 remake, how that kind of under-delivered. You know, I think there was definitely more people keeping eyes on this that were apprehensive about it. And, you know, suggesting that Resident Evil 4, as it is, is still a great game. Like, there's no need to remake it. But having played the demo recently that came out last week on Steam, you know, I can easily say I think it's going to blow everyone out of the water again. It's going to be an amazing game. (laughs) Well, I got a lot to look forward to on Thursday then. <laughs> so let's kind of give our thoughts on it. Like, you, you think it is going to be, a, you know, a, I guess an upgrade, like over the original Resident Evil 4. It'll be even better. 
Um, yeah, I would say so. Just because Capcom, they're they're one of the few companies now, well, game companies that seem to actually care about the fans. Because with the RE2 remake, they knocked it out of the park, and they're paying yeah. homage to the original. Like as you said, though, far RE3 did kind of fall, you know, a bit short on that. Um, but I think with RE4, they're they're going to deliver and they're going to make it. They're going to expand on what made the original RE4 so memorable and so great. And I mean, even I had also recently purchased again the RE5 Gold Edition on Steam, and mm. they had uh, Windows Live for it, which made it unplayable on Steam for the longest time. But then there was a little update that came out a week ago, or back in February. And there was like a random Capcom employee who decided to fix that port like seven really? or yeah, almost 10 years since they first ported it to Steam. So that really shows how much Capcom cares for their fans, at least for RE. And that to me, it gives me reassurance that's going to be already an all-time classic, the remake anyway. Yeah, I, I would definitely say, you know, since Resident Evil 7 came out, Capcom has done a complete 180. And they're just killing it with every franchise right now. Like with how Devil May Cry 5 was released the year or two years after Resident Evil 7. And that was well received. Uh You know, they're bringing back, you know, uh, Street Fighter with Street Fighter 6 later this year. That looks really good from early looks at it. And, you know, they're even hinting at bringing back Dragon's Dogma, which is really cool as well. I've heard about that. Amazing stuff. And yeah, I applaud them for that. Like, even though they had some misses here and there with like Resident Evil 3 Remake, for example, it wasn't the best game, but it was still pretty decent from what I experienced anyway. Yeah, yeah, it, it was playable. You know, of course, uh, some areas were left out from the original, but it was still playable. And I think there's even talks of possibly, I mean, obviously Resident Evil 4 Remake is going to do great, but if they continue the streak, then I guess RE5 is next. Who knows? <laughs> That was my next question for you, actually, is what do you think they're going to do next with Resident Evil? Well, I think they'll probably give the remakes a rest and they'll go for RE9. That would make sense. I mean, obviously, they're making a ton of money right now on them, so why stop? And fans are loving it, so I would say RE9 is definitely next. I would not be surprised if RE5 got a remake. I I think that's going to be the case. I don't want it to be. I, I Yeah. Would love to see Code Veronica remade, but that's probably never going to happen because people didn't like it anyway. Yeah, I but was gonna, I was gonna. It mention, does have potential. I was gonna mention Code Veronica because it does that. That does deserve a remake, but it. I honestly, as you said, I honestly don't think it will, just because it. It never <laughs> saw the light, so to speak, as the main main entries did. Yeah, sadly, I mean, there's a lot of properties of Resident Evil that didn't quite hit a grand slam right out the gate. But, you know, I think the logical next step, like you said, is Resident Evil 9. They're going to put all their resources on that next. And then we'll probably get RE5 remake. And as much as that does sound like, yeah, it's a cool idea. I think I am starting to get a little fatigued with remakes in general. You know, after playing Dead Space remake, which was also incredible, by the way. And now with RE4 remake and all these other ones being remade this year, it's just a lot of stuff. And well, you, even Silent Hill 2 now. And Silent they, Hill 2 later this year. Yep. They decided to skip one and go for two. I guess that's, that's yeah. an interesting way to do it. But I yeah, know, no, I it's, know. It's, it's, 
<laughs> you know, I'm getting a bit burnt out on the remakes too. It it just does kind of wear out, honestly. It's like, well, you know, why don't we get some new blood in, you know? But we'll see. I mean, preferably, I think Capcom should kind of just take a breather from remakes and make some new stuff. I think that'd be more exciting. Maybe give us a new Ace Attorney game because it's been a long time. Six years. So actually almost seven years now since we got Spirit of Justice. Like, so- I would love to see that again. But uh, they are re-releasing Ghost Trick in the summer. That That's a... I mean, I can't speak enough praise about that game. Check it out if you haven't. It's coming on Steam. I haven't checked it out, um, but I guess I'll have to know. But let's wrap up Resident Evil 4. Uh, I know we got Remake coming up soon. What are you lo- most looking forward to with Remake? Oh, boy. The most... I would say the whole castle segment. I, I just... I love that whole segment. It, it's really what made the game. You know, Salazar, Vertigo, the cultist, the giant Salazar stone, you know, what was it called? The the Gundam? Like, the Gundam, yeah. <laughs> that's what yeah. people call it now. Yeah, is that what they call it? Okay. The Salazar I, Gundam. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's fair, to be honest. For I people mean, don't know, it's like a giant statue of Salazar that you kind of kill enemies around and then you run away from it in a quick time event. <laughs> yeah, I think that they could. I'm, I'm sure they're going to make it really fun, really interesting. Um, but you know, I think that they'll cut and, that actually. Oh, you thought? I think they may suck. cut that out of the game, which would make sense. True. I mean, yeah, it doesn't really make sense it, to be honest when you think about it. But uh, it was it was always one of the more memorable moments. Um, but yeah, apart from that, just the interactions between Ada and Luis. Like I, I love those characters. And, Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I, I would say. That's definitely something I'm looking forward to is seeing his expanded role in the game as well as just the overall change in atmosphere because it's a darker, more uh, cruel depiction of the entire game. Like It just seems like it's darker in tone. That excites me as a fan because we'll get some hopefully cooler enemy designs from existing ones from the classic game. And, you know, I'm all for that. I think a new take on Regenerator, let's do it. That sounds awesome. I, I have to say, <laughs> I love the more grittier, like, macabre, like, approach that Capcom has taken to Resident Evil. Because we all remember in RE2, those police zombies, like, the gore, when you shot them in the head and they're, you know, half of their heads blown away, but they're still coming at you. And I saw one of the still images of the Ganados when his head is to the, you know, basically snapped half oh, man. halfway off. and the Lost Plagas is still coming through like that is some sick, twisted, awesome stuff. I know so, you haven't played the demo, but you do encounter those enemies in the game, and they're terrifying. That's so like, fucking cool. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah, that, that <laughs> stuff, I, yeah, apart from what I already said, the enemy design and the boss design, I'm, I'm looking forward to all that. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking Absolutely. forward to what they do with Chief Mendez, Salazar himself turning into the big to the big thing, the big plant thing I think he turns into. So, yeah, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. Yeah, aside from, I think, the mic sequence at the end of the island where you're kind of killing like, enemies over and over again, I hope they shorten that. I think that'd be a really great change in pacing because that felt like the most dragged out portion of the game was that whole entire thing. Yeah. Um, real quickly, I'll just say my least favorite part of RE4, which I don't think we've covered, we was didn't. that that island sequence. Um, the lab sequence, okay, so for those who haven't played, you have the village, 
the castle, or I think the village, the mines, the castle, the lab, and then you have the island, which is like the modern area. Um, I might be missing one or two, but that last area, you're facing these like zombie commandos with guns and stuff, and you're just doing this sprint through the area, basically, and it's yeah. it's tedious, it's dumb, and anyone who's played RE five knows how boring that is. Very much because they, they 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 do that a lot. In or that six. Game. <laughs> Or oh God, six. Yeah, we don't want to talk about That's, six. What's, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that part in particular definitely needs to be, and I'm ho- I'm sure they have, but that needs to be completely like changed and done over. Well, I mean, it's already been done done so because of the remix coming out soon. But yeah, that was my least favorite part of the whole game. And despite that, it's still a ten out of ten. I think we can agree on that. Yeah, no. Despite that, it is because everything <laughs> else makes up for it. I mean, little rough, don't you think? That makes up for that part. There you that go. That one line. Where's everyone going? Bingo? I'm glad they kept that in. <laughs> yeah, I've heard they have. I heard they kept yeah. that in too. And again, that just shows the kind of service Capcom is, you know, doing its fans. Because any other company would have been like, oh, let's change the whole dialogue. And you, you're just cutting the connection fans have with characters at that point. And the fact that they've kept that in shows that they care. So, Indeed. Well said. I think that's a good note to end on. Uh, I just want to say... Again, Josh, thank you for joining me on this impulsive episode of Level Up. I know it was last minute, but I'm glad you could make it. It's been really fun. Last minute awesomeness, of course, man. Absolutely. Glad to be on here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing more if that's in the cards. We'll see. Oh, yeah, for (laughs) sure. I mean, you know, as long as more cool games come out, there's always something to talk about. Absolutely. And uh, again, I am Kyle. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Level Up, part of the Geek Freaks Network. Again, uh, we have a Discord community. You can join us on there. Frank does a lot of good stuff on YouTube as well with shorts. Uh, Be sure to keep an eye on that. And as always, uh, well, I guess I'll see you on the next one. And hopefully uh, playing a lot of RE4 Remake. We'll see. (laughs) Hell yeah, same here. And uh, this is Josh. Thank you for having me on, a.k.a. Jow22. It's my name on Discord. Thank you. Yes. Really enjoyed the talk, bro. Indeed, bro. And to all the other bros out there, adios. Have a good one. Peace later. Au revoir.